Hey guys, welcome back to It's a Theater Things Fosse Verdon Recap. If you've been following along with us, you know we are at episode seven, Nowadays. My name is Tracy Danoff, and usually I'm joined by my friend Erin Carl, but she can't make it today, so I'll be flying solo. So let's jump right in. So we start out the episode by seeing Gwen in her Chicago garb, and she's speaking the very first lines of Chicago. And this is actually a device that they use throughout the episode. It's a really great device because she's really being the narrator and it helps move it along, especially because this is a rather long episode. This is an extended episode. It's about an hour and a half. So we need a little bit of a break between scenes and she provides a good respite for that. Then we cut to Gwen and she is in a range. I mean, girlfriend is throwing things at Bob and really upset. And then the title card pops up and it says Gwen Verdon, 1960, two years before first trying to get the rights to Chicago. Then we see Gwen again, and she is throwing things and yelling, and apparently she caught Bob with a chorus girl in her shower. Now, I don't know about you, if I was in that situation, he'd be packing his bags, but apparently Gwen didn't feel that way. We do see that Bob is really trying to calm her down, and he promises not to do it again, and... I mean, straight out, I would have told him, sorry, don't believe you. You know, once a cheater, always a cheater. But she calms down a little bit. She's crying. And then Bob proposes. Now, guys, is it ever a good idea to accept a marriage proposal right after you found your partner with someone else? Yeah, don't think so. But she does. And she accepts the little wrapper ring that he gives her and everything. And he's telling her he wants to have a baby and that he wants to be with her forever. And I'm sure he meant it at the time. So anyway, then we cut back to Gwen and her Chicago garb. And she recites that famous opening line from Chicago, or one of the opening lines in Chicago, You're about to witness a story of greed, exploitation, adultery, and treachery. However, she's changed it around a little bit. She does leave out murder, corruption, and violence. But I guess there's really no murder in this this show. (laughs) At least, I don't think so. And, And also, no violence. And then we cut back to Broadway vet. Bianca Marquin, and she is singing All That Jazz as Cheetah Rivera. And I have to say, I we only see small snippets of her throughout this series, but I just love it every time we see her. She's so talented. She's just so good at what she does. The only thing that's a little distracting to me is that wig. I know at that time Cheetah was wearing a curly hairstyle, but I think they could have gotten her a better wig. Anyway, uh, then we see a title card, and that says Chicago, 1975, first rehearsal after Bob Fosse's return from the hospital. Then we cut to Bob and Patty in a restaurant, 
And Bob, I mean, honestly, can't believe Bob's upset about this, but he's upset that the producers took out a million dollar life insurance policy on him and he's convinced they all want him to die. And Patty's like, "Uh, you know, you're in the you've been in the business. This is what happens. And I know that is a pretty common practice. They do that with movies as well as theater, you know, but Bob's Bob has to be negative about it. And then we cut back to rehearsal and Bob is watching the rehearsal and he doesn't want them smiling. He's going for a completely different mood in this production. Then we see Patty again with Bob and we learn that the production was actually held up for four months due to Bob's heart attack. And Patty's telling him, look, you know, they waited four months for you. Come on, buddy. And also Gwen lent like half the company money so they could continue with the show. And You know, I really think that Bob is really unkind about this part because, you know, Gwen had such a dedication for this show. And yes, I think a big part of it was she wanted to provide for Nicole in the future. I mean, Nicole would be getting royalties for this show as, you know, as long as the show earned them. But I think it's it was also important to her professionally. She wanted to prove that she could still dance it, that she could still perform it. And Bob just kind of makes this offhanded comment like, well, you know, no other director is going to take on this show if they know that they have Gwen Verdon as the ingenue. And I just thought that was really mean-spirited. But, you know, as we're finding out, Bob doesn't seem to be the nicest guy. That being said, I saw a conversation on Facebook today where people were debating the idea of this show making Bob out to be the bad guy. Is it purposeful, you know, just to make a good story or is this the way he really was? I tend to think maybe this is the way he really was because his daughter, Nicole, is an executive producer. And I think if they were showing him in an inaccurate light, she probably would have something to say about that. So then we learn that Bob has had all his prescription medications taken away. That means no more secondol, no more dexedrine. So he doesn't have those uppers and downers to keep him going. And then we cut back to rehearsal. And again, he's telling the cast he wants the show to be darker. He doesn't want the show to be sung like, you know, your average musical comedy. Once again, we see Bob and Patty talking, and again, Bob is complaining he doesn't have his meds, and he just feels like he can't focus without them. He can't work without them, which seems pretty sad. I mean, then you have to wonder, well, did he not have confidence in his own work? Which I think a lot of the TV series shows you that he doesn't have confidence in his work because he always thinks that everything he's going to do is going to fail. So then we cut back to Bob and he tells the cast that the show needs to be darker and he's explaining the motivation behind that, that this is a story about dark people, about people who are just using other people just to get what they want. And sorry, guys, if you hear my dog barking, that's my theater dog, Sandy Dombrowski Danoff. Yes, she is a theater dog and she likes to make her presence known. So apologize for that. (laughs) Anyway, 
Then we see Gwen in an empty rehearsal room. It looks like it's probably maybe early before anyone is there. And she's stretching. And boy, is she feeling it. She's groaning and she's you know, moaning a little bit as she's going through her paces. And I have to say, Gwen, girl, I feel you. I understand. I actually had to work out with a trainer yesterday. And I said to him, you know, I'm just I'm feeling so stiff these days. I don't know what's going on. And he said, well, you're old. Thank you. Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> So we see her really trying to get herself warmed up. And then we cut to the cast rehearsing. We both reach for the gun. A title card pops up that says Chicago 1975. Ninth rehearsal after Bob Fosse's return from the hospital. And then we cut back to rehearsal. And unfortunately, Gwen is unable to keep up with the pace of the choreography. It's very fast paced. And I have to say, boy, at least for me, this scene really showed Michelle Williams at her best because not only did she have to be able to master all those moves, but she had to master those moves in a way that worked, that made it seem like Gwen couldn't do it as well as the others. And she did a terrific job. So then Bob approaches, I'm guessing it's Fred Ebb, and he tells them that they need to slow down the tempo because the leading lady can't keep up. And then Bob, (laughs) oh, Bob, then Bob decides he's going to try and get Fred to buy him some Dexedrine. And thank goodness, you know, Fred's like, no, not doing it, not doing it. So strike one for Bob can't get his dexedrine then bob talks about cutting the number because it's just not working i mean they're still working on they both reached for the gun and gwen just isn't keeping up and when he mentions cutting it gwen gets really upset she's like i can do this he decides instead of cutting the number that he's going to introduce a chair into the scene and make it sort of like a puppet-like situation. Um, If you guys have seen the show, they still use that today. And I always thought that was a really clever thing to do, where they had Billy sitting in the chair, Roxy is sitting on his lap, and he's basically the puppet master. I think it's perfect. So then we cut to Bob and Patty, And Bob tries to convince Patty to get him the Dexedrine. This is his second time trying to get someone to get him Dexedrine. And Patty refuses. He's like, I'm not going to help you kill yourself. So then they get into this sort of funny argument about what they're going to do at each other's funerals. And it it was actually pretty funny when Bob was like, well, I'm going to tap dance at your funeral. I think that would actually be kind of entertaining (laughs) and maybe break the tension. Then we cut to Nicole's ballet recital. And as my partner Aaron likes to say, someone save Nicole. Poor Nicole. She's doing this ballet recital. And really, the only one that's paying attention to her is Ron. Gwen is trying to talk to Bob. I mean, they're sitting there in their house seats in the dark. And Gwen's talking to him about the ending of Chicago not really working. And you can see the look on Ron's face like, hey, you know, this is your kid. Pay attention to your kid. 
So it's kind of sad. And she really gets after Bob and they're kind of going at it. And even someone behind them shushes them. And they still continue to talk about it until finally Gwen says, nobody's brave enough to tell you that the ending doesn't work. They all come to me. And finally, Bob gives in and he says, "Okay, he's going to ask for another closing number. So then we see Gwen and Ron dropping Nicole off at Bob and Ann's apartment. And again, poor Nicole. She just looks down in the mouth. It's really sad. And I think Ron is really trying to, like, boost her. It's obviously not working. And Ron compliments Nicole. He's like, oh, get ready, New York City Ballet. And I hate that Gwen was like, oh, you shouldn't say that to her. You're going to get her hopes up. I mean, it wasn't a very supportive thing to do. I don't know if Gwen just was in a mood that night, (laughs) but she had quite the attitude. It was really disappointing. And then Anne wants to know where Bob is. You know, she's working on a show, so she wasn't with them at the recital, and she's wondering where Bob is. And Gwen says, oh, Bob had some more work to do at the theater. So then we cut to Bob, and he's in an apartment, and it turns out he's with one of the dancers from the show. He asks the dancer if he's liked, and she tells him yes, because he's a choreographer that doesn't yell, doesn't call names, and apparently they enjoy working with him. And then we go back to Anne's apartment, and we learn that Ron is going to be in a Neil Simon play, but he's he's going to be the understudy. And he's happy about that. And Gwen kind of is condescending. You know, he didn't seem to have a problem with being the understudy. And she's like, well, you know, that's a step in the right direction. And I thought, way to emasculate your man, honey. <laughs> you know, not, not very supportive. She was being at her Gwenniest that night. I don't know what was going on, but being very diva-like. So then we cut back to Bob, and he's still with the dancer, and he's asking her if the show is too dark. And she tells him that she thinks it's brilliant, but there's an issue with the ending. The ending just doesn't feel right. So then we cut back to Gwen and Ron, and they're leaving Anne's, and then we see Bob again. And Bob... You know, he's talking to the dancer, and honestly, he had me fooled because I was watching this thinking, okay, I mean, he's maybe going to come on to her, but my thought was he was just trying to get some honest opinions about the show and what the cast was feeling since nobody is actually coming to him. And I was wrong. He asks the dancer if she can get him the Dexedrine. And she seems a little reluctant, but she does agree. And then he does come on to her. I mean, obviously, he's like, oh, how about a drink? And we know where that's going to lead because that's his way. That's what he does every time. Then we cut to the theater where Gwen is singing nowadays to members of the creative team. And Cheetah's there, and it sounds really good. And you can see everybody's super happy with the song, except Bob. He's not really showing any emotion. And I love what Cheetah says at this point. She's like, finally, we have a closing effing number. I mean, that was just perfect. 
everyone likes the song. Everybody's raving about the song. Bob wants Gwen to sing it again. And again, this is where Michelle Williams, uh, where her acting chops just come through. Because you can see it's a bit of a struggle for her to sing it the first time. And then when she sings it again, it seems like she's having a harder time. And we see her, you know, just trying to fight through it. And then Bob says, okay, stop, stop. I want to hear you and Cheetah sing it together. And Cheetah fights against it. She's like, that's Gwen's song. This is her show. This is Roxy's show. And he's like, no, the show is features both of you. And he wants them to sing it together. And boy, Gwen does not take to that too well. I mean, she gets so mad. And this is the first time I think you really see her get angry about their professional life. I mean, she had her little meltdown at the beach house about their personal life, even though it was tied up in their professional life. But this is the first time she was kind of like, I made you what you are. You know, she lets him know that she had a lot of control over some of the the twists and the turns in Bob's career. And she throws it in his face to the point where she calls him a failed bald dancer. And then (laughs) I kind of had to laugh. I'm sure a lot of you listening to this podcast do not remember a time where a phone call was a dime. Actually, it's a, well, you know, this is a 70s. I was around in the 70s, so I can't say it's before my time. It wasn't. I vaguely remember having to uh, use a dime in a payphone. I remember better when it went up to a quarter. <laughs> so, but she pulls out that dime and she's like, just one call and I can get you fired. And he obviously doesn't back down. Because the next time we see Gwen and Cheetah, they're about to perform nowadays together. What I loved about this scene was how Gwen reached out and held Cheetah's hand right before they went on. I just thought that was so telling about their relationship. It was something that made you feel like, oh, these two women are really supportive of each other. They're really friends. Then we see a title card, Chicago 1975 opening night. Then we cut to the opening night party. And then we see another title card that says Chicago 1975 opening after party. And reminiscent of the very first episode of the series, we see Nicole walking around, except she's not a little kid anymore, sort of walking around and observing everything. Now Nicole looks super uncomfortable. And, you know, she's kind of at that age where she's too young to be in adult conversations, but also too old to be that cute little kid running around that no one really pays attention to except to say, oh, what a cute little kid. So the Times Review comes in, and sadly, they don't love the show. But Gwen and Cheetah do get good notices. And of course, Bob gets upset, and he starts smoking and drinking and basically blows Anne off, which... You know, it was really sad because she has also stood by him through his illness. And, you know, 
I'm sure he he has not been easy to live with and he's cheated on her and you know but of course why should we expect any different from him now I mean he treated Gwen pretty much the same way and then we go back to some flashbacks Again, we see that original fight with Gwen throwing things at Bob, Bob proposing. But then we see something new. They're sitting in a doctor's office and the doctor is telling Gwen that he's a huge fan. And it's really kind of uncomfortable because he doesn't know who Bob Fosse is. And Bob talks about, well, actually... Gwen tells the doctor, oh, you know, he's this wonderful choreographer and director. And and then Bob tries to sort of build himself up by saying, oh, he's also a dancer and actor. And he mentions being in Pal Joey. And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, yes, I've seen that. But you can see he's much more impressed with Gwen. So it turns out they're having trouble conceiving a child. And Bob is the one who has the issue. And they do mention that Gwen has had a child, you know, from her first marriage. That's a little bit uncomfortable, to say the least. And I was almost expecting that to be a scene maybe depicting that this was the first time that Bob had heard of it. But it looked like Bob knew about her prior marriage and her child, which is a good thing. You know, they have enough issues. They don't need that kind of secret between them. So it seems like Bob is, as I said, Bob is the issue. Gwen goes through an early form of IVF. And then they cut to Gwen back in her narrator role. And she's talking about the hoodwink. Well, what does she mean by that? Well, we soon see because we see someone from an adoption agency coming to their apartment and interviewing both Bob and Gwen. And Razzle Dazzle is playing. And they couldn't have picked a more perfect song for this scene because Gwen is laying it on thick. She is using the charm offensive, showing him around the apartment and taking him out on the balcony and showing him the garden. She just totally charms him. And then later they find out that they're going to be able to adopt and a baby is going to be born in June. So they have this great thing to look forward to. Then we cut back to Chicago in 1975 and we see Gwen in her dressing room. And the title card pops up and says Chicago 1975, five weeks after opening. Gwen is drinking and Bob comes in. And he tells her, you know, the receipts are strong enough to keep the show open. So that was good. She's really hoping for the show to be open for a while again so she can get those royalties for Nicole. And then Bob mentions that he notices that Gwen has been having some trouble with the high notes. And at first she tells him, I just have a cold. And then it turns out she has accidentally swallowed some confetti that came down during the show the week before. And she tells Bob she went to the doctor and he told her that there were blisters on her vocal cords and that she would have to have surgery. So she's actually going to be out of the show for six weeks, which is a pretty well-known story. Everyone knows about her absence because of who replaces her for those six weeks, which we'll get into a little later. 
So Gwen does not want to take the time off. She wants to keep the show going. And Bob promises he's going to keep the show going. He wants her to take care of herself and her voice. So then we cut back to our flashback. And Bob, it's so cute. You know, I, I got a text from Aaron saying, how cute was it? You know, Bob dancing around the apartment with the baby crib and pieces on the floor. <laughs> he wasn't too interested in putting together the baby crib. And Gwen enters and she's kind of, you know, laughing and she wants him to put the crib together. And as they're talking, she faints. So then we see her at the doctor and it turns out Gwen is pregnant, which was totally unexpected. Then we cut back to the theater at Chicago, and Bob comes in, and he runs into Gwen, and he lets her know that Liza Minnelli, Liza, their old friend from Cabaret, is going to take over for for Gwen while she's recovering, which is really a great relief, but you can tell she's a little worried about it. But he tells her, don't worry, we're not going to make a big deal out of this. We're going to keep this from the press. It's just going to be a thing where people come to the show and then they see that it's Liza. They didn't want to make a, a big thing out of it. So then we cut to the apartment and Ron is taking care of Gwen. She has had her surgery. And poor Ron, I tell you, Ron Ron was such a good guy. I mean, I know the actual gentleman that Gwen was with at that time was really not named Ron, but <laughs> for the purposes of the show, we'll call him Ron. And Ron is looking out for Nicole, and he's kind of parenting her, and Nicole's giving him attitude, and he's just so nice about it. And, you know, Gwen does take Nicole to task, but, you know, I hate to say it, I think Ron is probably the only stable parent that Nicole has at this point. And Bob calls Gwen, and she can't talk because she's on vocal rest, but She listens to what Bob has to say, and he tells her that the Times found out that Liza was coming into the show. And once word got out, people got really excited. There was a line down the street starting at 6 a.m. to get tickets to see Liza. And who Gwen does not take to this well. And that's when she actually does try and talk. She tells Bob, you got what you wanted. You got a younger actress. Then we cut back to the younger Gwen and Bob. They're still in the doctor's office. And Bob questions if the baby is his. You know, he knows that he's got a problem and that he was the reason that they were having trouble conceiving. So he thinks that Gwen has been cheating on him. Well, no, Bob, just because you cheat on Gwen doesn't mean Gwen's going to be cheating on you. So she reassures him that she is not interested in anyone else. And he is the father of the baby. So then we cut back to the apartment. And Gwen is so upset about the situation with Liza. And she really feels like it's a play to get the critics back to review the show because Bob has already told her that the show is going to be reviewed again with Liza. And so Ron is kind of like, you know, I get you. I understand. I think you should quit the show. And Gwen is like, no, can't do it. Can't do it. You know, she wants it to run so she can get those royalties. You know, it's all about taking care of Nicole in the future. And Ron gives her a little pushback, and she was like, 
don't tell me how to do my job. She was putting her foot down. And I have to say, you know, she's really starting to turn into a little bit of a diva here. I didn't really feel like Gwen had a lot of diva behavior at the beginning of the series. But boy, is it starting to come out the further along we go. And I just kind of wonder how much longer Ron's going to be around for this. So then we cut to Gwen, who is all recovered and returning to the theater. And she walks into her dressing room, and Liza has left her note that reads, Thanks for letting me fill your shoes, darling, which I thought was really sweet, really classy. And then Gwen is looking around the dressing room, starts to remember just sitting with Nicole as an infant, and she's sitting with Joan, and Joan is holding her baby. And they're talking, and Joan asks, Gwen, have you decided on a middle name yet? And Gwen says, yes, the name is going to be Providence. And you could see Joan thinks that's sweet, and Bob is looking on. And, you know, at that point, you see, like, he really does love her. He really loves his baby. It's just a really sweet moment. Finally, we cut back to Gwen. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but in these little shots of Gwen in her Chicago mode where she's the narrator, her hair is a little different. It's kind of slicked back. It's not her usual curls. She's just sort of, she looks sleek and for the first time since watching the show, I really felt like I was looking at Michelle Williams. The whole time, I felt like I was looking at Gwen Verdon, but with her hair stuck to her head like that, kind of slicked back, I did not forget that I was watching Michelle Williams. Anyway, she kind of lowers her hat a little bit, and then we fade to black. And that is the end of episode seven. So this was a good one, guys. I would love to know what you think of it. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at theaterthing at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us for this special episode of It's a Theater Thing. We can always be found on Onstage Blog at onstageblog.com, on iTunes, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook on the It's a Theater Thing Facebook page. And our Twitter handle is at Theater Thing. So thanks for joining us. Be sure to join us next week. Aaron will be back and we're going to be discussing episode eight, the very last episode of Fosse Verdon. See you guys. Uh-huh.